Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit Wellness Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor, and you're listening to the How May I Serve You podcast, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, how may I serve you? So this show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guest today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. Today's guest is Amanda Kastura. Amanda, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Thomas. You're very, very welcome. So Amanda Kastura is a licensed independent social worker supervisor with over 13 years of experience in both direct practice and administrative positions in nonprofits and social service agencies. Amanda noticed there were missing elements of compassion, humanity, and healing the root causes of mental health conditions in previous positions. These professional experiences, her own personal challenges, and research on trauma and the stress disease connection led her to found Carve Your Own Path, Inc., a 501c nonprofit organization. Carve Your Own Path offers an evidence-based, trauma-informed, inclusive community approach to mental health and well-being through holistic wellness services, education, and consultation services. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. So, Amanda, it sounds like you have a lot going on right now. All the time. All the time. Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, my personality to always be involved in something uh, to keep the dopamine coming <laughs> so I never yes. get bored. Yes, indeed. Uh, the feel-good hormones. Mm -hmm. So, um, Amanda, let's let's dive into your story. You know, normally when I have these podcast interview, I like to peel back the layers and get a better understanding of who the person is that I'm speaking to, right? And I do that by diving into their childhood. So do you mind giving us a too-many version of who Amanda Castillo was as a child compared yeah. to who you are right now? Or if there's like a correlation with those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so I was raised by a single mother. Um, it was me and my older brother who's five years older than me. Um, being a child of a single parent in, in general and having to use some of those resources and social services, even though I didn't always know we were using them, um, engaging in those systems, I was kind of bred for social work. But then also um, my brother and other family members had challenges with uh, substance abuse and mental health. And so I just naturally became um, a caregiver, a resource finder, um, mm. the person that people were going to for things, um, probably a adultified a little too young <laughs> looking back on it um, given a lot of responsibilities but um, people ask me how I got into the social work profession and I always just say like I didn't choose social work social work chose me and if I look at those formative experiences in childhood with um, especially my brother's addiction and, and um, criminal engagement and things like that I was absolutely kind of being trained to move into this type of profession. Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones, all things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. 
Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T.com and schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. So it's more of a environmental slash nature, even including nurture that got you to where you are right now. So your your experience that were stemmed from your environment persuaded and, and motivated you to pursue the social work profession, correct? Yeah. And then also just like horoscopes. I'm a cancer. So like <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm always kind of the person that's there for folks and have the emotional side and um, have that kind of that caretaker, caregiver um, mindset and energy about me. Okay. So do you mind walk, walking us through the steps? You know, walking, when I say walking us through the steps, like I want to live, live vicariously through you um, as a child, right? What were things, what were some of the things you were doing to research and find the information you needed? to push you towards this profession? Like what, what were things you're doing early on that led you to further pursue being a social worker? Yeah, so I don't think I knew at the time, um, but it's funny because um, a year or so ago, um, I was actually going undergoing psychological testing and ended up being late diagnosed with ADHD. And I was so thankful. My mom kept a lot of my academic and schoolwork and projects mm-hmm. and notes that I had written or while in class. and. Um, there was definitely a theme in those projects. I think in like fourth grade, one of the very first uh, lessons that was given to us was a, a paper that said, um, what should a teacher be? or What characteristics should they have? And reading it, it was like all advocacy and social justice related topics. Like a teacher should always treat everyone the same, regardless of like what they look like or what their background is. And a teacher, I don't know, it was just like, it, you could see the little social worker in me, even though I don't think I knew that at the time. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got to high school and thinking about college, I really liked psychology. I was really intrigued by human behavior and I had kind of tapped into a little bit of that. And so that's what my undergrad was in. I thought that I was gonna go on to be a child psychiatrist. Um, mm. I, I very quickly realized that I did not um, want to be prescribing pharmaceutical to children's developing brains. And so um, about my junior year, start of my senior year is where I really started thinking, okay, now what? Cause you can't you know, do much with that degree. And social work really called to me because there's so many options. You're always serving people. You have that advocate and social justice heart. Um, that I've carried with me for so long. I've always had, you know, as a child, I've always felt this like firm um, belief for like standing up for what was right, even if it wasn't the popular thing and even if it got me in trouble. So that just felt like the right career path to be that advocate and to be um, that force of change. Mm. Okay. So you always want to stand up for what's right, despite whatever circumstance you were faced with. Mm-hmm. So, sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about your company, Carve Your Own Path Inc., right? 
because uh, I know you're more than just a social worker. You you have a you created you know a non for profit organization, um, which I'm pretty sure this is your baby right here. Um, mm-hmm. Like, talk to us more about that. Yeah, so I worked um, kind of like your bio said. You know, I, I in my undergrad and um, my graduate degree, and a couple years afterward, I did work for about ten years for other folks in nonprofits and social service agencies, and I just kept feeling this misalignment of not mm-hmm. only like what I knew in my soul, what I knew educationally, what I knew evidence-based practices, like what I knew in my values, there's just this constant misalignment. It was very cookie cutter approaches I was seeing. We weren't really taking the individual in their environment into account mm-hmm. when we were doing this care, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, kind of get them in, they get this certain amount of treatment with these specific lessons, everyone gets the same thing and then they're out and they were cycling back through, right? And every time someone would come back to treatment, it was almost like the perception was that it was their fault, or there was something wrong with them, or they're just never going to get it, rather than looking internally at us and what we're doing and saying, well, if we're trying to um, do cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, which is like, in very simple terms, basically mindset work, like think Mm -hmm. different, feel different. Um, and, And these people have been traumatized from the womb or have generational trauma where their DNA is literally altered. Um, we're not going to get very far with just gaslighting them into thinking different. (laughs) Um, and so that's where I got with my own physical and mental health. I was at one of the worst times of my life. I was very suicidal. I have a chronic health condition and that was flaring constantly along with the co-occurring conditions that came along with that. I was calling off all the time and using FMLA. I was in a um, supervisory position in middle management, which, uh, Nonprofit or not, any any business being in middle management is a challenge, right? Trying to translate from the top to the bottom and and mm-hmm. advo- and then here I am, right? Advocating this isn't right, this isn't ethical, I this doesn't make sense for our clients, right? Regardless of what was being said, I was still in the advocate role, and I just got exhausted with that, and I knew that I wasn't going to be on this earth much longer if I continued down that path, and I was called to do this work, and I needed to do something about it, and so. I had the privilege of having a dual income household at the time. And for the first time ever in my life, I left a job, put in my notice without having anything lined up or knowing knowing what I was going to do other than pure self-preservation and survival. And so I left that job. And in the process of finding another job, I incorporated carve your own path. I thought there has to be a different way. We have to do this better. We have to do this more individualized, more holistically, more inclusive for the clients. But also we have to treat the staff. Um, like they mean something. They are the foundation, right? If we don't take care of our staff, then who are we to the clients that we're serving? I knew nothing about running a business, let alone Mm -hmm. a nonprofit, right? But I kind of jumped off the cliff and built the bridge as I went. And here we are five years later, almost uh, still building the bridge. You know, that's how it is sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you have to cut the cord and just go for it, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. glad you, you have survived, you know, um, all this while. You know, most, most Mm -hmm. businesses, they don't survive within that first, mm-hmm. uh, the first beginning stage. So, yeah. um, I'm sure your your passion, right, and your the willingness to, to, to really focus on your why, right, mm-hmm. has pushed you thus far. So kudos yeah. to you, kudos to you. Thank you. And, and and one thing that really um attracted me to you, right, was your your will and your goal to focus on healing the root causes of the mental health conditions. And I'm more about getting to the root cause, you know? So that's what yeah. really, really uh, made me realize like, yo, Amanda's different, you know? <laughs> she's trying <laughs> to do something a little deeper, you know? She's trying to really get to the root cause and that's what it is, 
you know, yeah. the, the cookie cutter approach, you know, the layered approach doesn't, it's temporary, you know, mm -hmm. it's a very fickle solution. So yeah. talk to me about how, how are you getting to the root cause right now with your company? How are you, how are you getting to the root cause of, you know, of um, the trauma, you know, the root cause of trying to really help people change for the better? Yeah. And I'll even just take it a step back of like how I even got there was when um, I was in that negativity and that um, really awful place in my own health, I dove down the rabbit hole of research on the stress disease connection and kind of had this light bulb of, wow, this information has been out for a hundred years plus, right? We've mm -hmm. known that when we are under significant amounts of stress, whether it's trauma or just significant chronic stress, our body is altered. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's creating changes and creating chronic health issues for us up to, you know, cancer and death even. And so that was really eye opening for me. You know, in all the years I had learned and gone to school and been educated, that simple stress disease connection wasn't even was communicated missing. to me. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of what we do, honestly, is validating and psychoeducation, like validating people's experiences empowering them that they know their body better than anyone else because a lot of people have that experience where they go to their doctor and they're talking about symptoms and they kind of just blow them off and say oh mm -hmm. it's just anxiety or oh yeah you have high blood pressure here's a pill or and i'm not knocking them right like go please see your doctor i'm not a medical professional and um oftentimes i think those systems the current healthcare system is so symptom focused that we would see people on all sorts of medications with so many chronic health conditions and it's like i'm the first person in all these years that stopped and said what happened to you mm. how do you manage stress what was your home life like mm. anything significant happened to you as a child have you been through trauma right and all of those questions once you start to unravel that it's like no wonder like <laughs> like you know i don't know what i could say but like no ish like th that you have all of these chronic health things going on because you've been through all of this or you're still mm -hmm. going through this and society doesn't teach you how to cope with that, right? Exactly. There's no emotional regulation, stress management, effective communication in our elementary schools, right? We're not teaching that in our employers aren't teaching that to us. And so no wonder your body has learned to adapt in the best way that it's known how. And so there's nothing wrong with you. But like so that's the biggest thing honestly is the validation and then the psychoeducation of like this is actually what's happening in your body this is why it's happened to you okay how do we move forward so it really is just having conversations um and we can't do that until we build rapport and trust um so that's a big focus for us is being trauma-informed being inclusive to where we can embrace and celebrate all identities and make people feel welcome and connected enough what research shows is that rapport with your therapist outside of any other factor their training their competency the type of therapy the rapport with the re the relationship with that therapist is one of the um top predictors of your success and outcomes in therapy so mm. that's a big part of our focus is making okay. you feel safe and comfortable and then enough to peel back those layers with us to really get to wow you have this core belief that you aren't enough and when we get back to it and ask where that came from it's because of some situation that happened in your childhood or um, a meaning that you've derived about yourself become from that situation mm. you know what like what you're doing right now is so needed you know um especially just the mere fact that you mentioned um establishing a healthy environment first mm -hmm. for the individual right for the individual to feel safe because mm -hmm. A person is not going to reveal the insecurities, their problems, if 
they don't feel safe. So that's the first step. And just the fact that you're acknowledging that shows how different you are from most, most people right off the bat, you know, because it shows that you care, you know, and it shows an intentionality to how you are um, approaching your clients, you know. So once again, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm just like just beaming right now. I'm I'm listening to you. I'm like she gets it. <laughs> she gets mm-hmm. it. Because as a person that study human behavior, that study you know on neuroscience to understand um, how people act, is important because a person personality is their personal reality and their environmental influences, their experiences, everything compiled to create their personality. Mm-hmm. And in order for, in order for you to understand who they are as a person, you have to peel back those layers. And that's yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And there's <laughs> and there's kind of two things that come to mind for me. There is like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh-huh. you know, the pyramid, the foundation, you know, you need clothing, water, shelter, all those things. And you also need safety and connection. Mm. And for me to try to get to higher level ascendance, right, um, with somebody, it's, it's like banging my head against the wall. Why would I do that? That doesn't make sense. We don't have the foundation yet. We're not going to get anywhere and it's going to leave both of us frustrated. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that comes to mind is we strategically don't take insurance. Um, We're aware that that can create barriers for some, but we do have sliding fee scale and other funding that can support that. Um, But we don't think that um, because you weren't given the skills to manage something, especially for significantly um, marginalized and oppressed populations in our current time. Um, we don't think that in order to, uh, for us to be reimbursed for your therapy or, or for in order for you to be able to seek support that you need a pathology, right? there needs to be something diagnosably wrong yes. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you say these like personality, it, it comes to mind of like personality disorders. And when you look back in someone's childhood, typically, or some sort of trauma, oftentimes personality disorders come from complex trauma. Um, people have been enduring something for so long that their personality has had no choice but to adapt and become what it is without any other tools or resources to do otherwise. So it's like, why would I, you know, make someone else the problem and make them feel even worse about themselves because there's something wrong with them now when it's a natural biological adaptation to survive? Yeah, it's like uh, you pour salt on the wound if if you if we were to do um, the latter, we, we just mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, so definitely. So right now, you know, as a, as a business owner, right. Um, Cause I'm always curious to know how business owners function in their everyday life. Like, mm-hmm. do you mind sharing what, what your typical day looks like as a business owner, a typical day, week, like walk us through your, walk yeah. us through your routine. You know, like when we get up in the morning, what are you doing? You know, are you grabbing a cup of coffee? Are you meditating? Are you reading your, your, your Bible? Like, what are you doing as a business owner? Yeah. So this is such a fun question. It's probably not going to be, you know, um, it's not going to be the, I get up and meditate and read and journal type thing. <laughs> so the other part about me, that's a little more personal is I also have a two-year-old that's our first oh. child. Okay. Um, and then our, you know, the business is turning five in November. And so I have kind of these two babies and I, I was used to functioning at a certain light, having a routine, getting up and um, allowing myself some mindful time in the morning before hopping onto technology, maybe going for a walk, getting my coffee, and now it's still a learning curve of figuring that out because every stage in a child's life brings a new stage for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's adapt adaptation and adaptability and flexibility is like the theme there with me. And then also being in mental health, being in social work, being in nonprofits, 
no day is going to look the same. Um, mm -hmm. Everything you plan for could just totally turn upside down at any given moment. And so that's something I had to learn very early on in my career is to just roll with it and roll with the punches and be flexible. Um, but typically what my day looks like is me waking up about an hour before my son to get ready. I drink some coffee. I typically log on to TikTok and see if a couple creators that I follow that are like social justice focused are live because um, I like to just kind of have that going in the background to mm -hmm. hear that dialogue or I might listen to a podcast or um, I utilize Marco Polo with a lot of different friend groups yeah, um, Marco Polo. To yeah, to talk to them. So I might catch up on those messages or check in um, and then uh, I'm in the morning, I'm either transporting my son to daycare or I'm picking him up in the, the, the afternoon or evening. Um, so yeah, then once I get to work, it's logging on, checking the emails, checking my calendar, what I have for the day. And my day can look anything like recording, you know, recording a podcast now, having a client afterward, because I do still see clients. That's something that's really important to me is maintain um, contact with the trenches, right? Because I think a lot of people that are in leadership either never knew what it was like to be in that role, or they're so far removed that they're making decisions that don't make sense for the people they serve. Um, so I do still see clients. Um, I'm networking all the time. Um, so I was at a, a collaborative meeting this morning for our local schools. Um, yeah, it really just it looks different every day. You know, I, I also have grants going on right now, so I could be yeah. hopping in, blocking off an hour to write a grant. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's just trying to connect with my family um, and then get some rest. Okay. You know, with all of those things going on, right? I mean, I know, I know when you wake up in the morning, you mentioned you grab your cup of coffee and you go right into TikTok. But what time do you have to, like, invest in your personal well-being? Because as a person that's constantly connected, right, we tend to burn out, you know, especially when working with people who deal with different personalities. So what are some some um i said precaution you're taking so you 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 won't get to that stage of burnout yeah um so for me it's not necessarily like scheduled things um mm -hmm. i'm very much a proponent of what i call intuitive coping okay so for me to say that i'm gonna journal for five minutes every morning um having ADHD, but also just like knowing myself, that's not going to happen. Today, I could wake up and be really excited and want to do that. And tomorrow I could be like, I want nothing to do with the journal. So for me, it's self-awareness is okay. the biggest self-care for me. So as I'm sitting in here, this meeting with you, and I'm recording this podcast, it's being aware of how I feel in my body. Do I need to make any adjustments because I'm uncomfortable? Oh, my chest is getting tight. Am I getting anxious? Like, do I need to take a nice full breath? Mm. When I get off the call, it's, oh, like I need to shake out that nervous energy. I need to get a drink of water. So it's like the small attention to my body in the day-to-day -day because for so long, and I know it's true for so many people, I was like you said, I was on all the time and I was kind of just like this head dragging the rest of my body with me through the world. And so now I do try to be more embodied and pay okay. attention to what is happening in the moment for me. And so that's kind of like a constant in the background all throughout the day rather than, you know, and of course we go on, you know, we go to the park and go for walks and, you know, trying to pay attention to my nutrition, like all those self-care things are important as well. But for me, the most important to me is in that moment, how my feeling and then what do I need to do intuitively to move through that and so that might be um, getting up and getting some fresh air that might be calling on someone for support um, it just looks different in the moment understood understood so Amanda at this moment of time because I know 
we tend to change as we grow up and when we um, get to different stages in our lives, right? So at this moment of moment at time of time, what drives you? Hmm. I uh, have this, I don't know, dreamy expectation, dreamy hope uh, that one day we could truly be healthier, right? If I think about, um, if I think about the world and the way it is now, if we just had these skills, like I mentioned, taught early on, or what a different world it could be. And I've been able to kind of do my own little mini research study on my, my child um, and teaching them, oh, you're feeling overwhelmed in your body or what those emotions are. And, oh, you're overwhelmed. You need to calm down, take a deep breath. And to see that now naturally happen on its own without my intervention at two years old, my kid can regulate his emotions, even though he's functioning out of her emotional brain most of the time better than some adults in the world because they weren't given those skills early on. Mm-hmm. And so when you ask me like what motivates me, it's that hope that the world could be a better place. It's that hope that we could be healthier, um, that we could be better for each other and and be more community focused rather than very uh, individual focused. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's the big thing. Lots of, lots of things keep me motivated, but the possibility for having a healthier existence and a more meaningful existence. Okay. Great answer. Great answer. So what do you believe you need to improve right now in order to um, get to the next level of whether that's like, um, you know, mother, your, your job or just or the combination of or all of those? Yeah. Um, in the past couple months, I've been really strategic with my time. Um, when I first got out there and networking, I had all sorts of slots open on my calendar. Um, and I very quickly learned I am never going to be doing income producing activities if I'm always meeting with people. Um, and so I've gotten, yeah, I've really kind of toned down that availability and been more strategic with that, saying no to introductions that just, you know, don't make sense because I don't have the time for them. Um, That's been the biggest thing for me really is just getting more focused with my time. Um, And that's something that's a constant work. Um, I I have accountability partners. So I've started to co-work with a friend virtually. Um, We'll spend about two hours together and one at the beginning of the call, we'll hop on and say, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm working on. And then we mute. And every so often we might say, hey, can I run this by you type thing? But um, that's been super helpful. Um, yeah, those kind of things, just kind of really being strategic about my time is a continued work in progress. Mm, that's different. So you have this uh, accountability call in the daytime as you're working because you met, so you, you, you mute after telling your accountability partner what you're working on and you continue to work. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know because what? I'm, I'm alone. About to that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's pretty so, good. <laughs> like, um, for my neurospicy people that might be listening, um, ADHD, ADHD people and autistic people often find body doubling helpful for motivation. Mm. Not really sure why, but like if somebody else is in the room, it's easier for us to do a task. Um, and so for me specifically, that's really awesome because even though they're not my boss, you know, like knowing that somebody else is in the room, knowing that I'm supposed to be doing something, gives me, like, yeah, it keeps me on task. Yeah. That's awesome right there. Yeah. So that's my first time um, hearing about that. So this is what I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. So this is, th- thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing it. You're welcome. So um, what advice would you give to other um, folks in your field, right? um to help them just to get to the next the next level because some sometimes we are 
bottleneck. We, we are our own bottlenecks, right? We mm-hmm. prevent our own ourselves from getting to the next level. Like, what will you tell them? Yeah, um, my two biggest things are listen to your body, because <laughs> um, okay. again, we're so outside of ourselves and all the productivity and accomplishment and achievement and tasks and to dos and responsibilities. Our bodies are just begging us to listen. Um, so just slowing down, tuning into what's going on with you and then getting your own needs met, um, which for a lot of people in this profession, it's hard because we are often very selfless and giving and we don't mm-hmm. um, put ourselves first. So put yourself first because it's foundationally required. You know, when you're showing up for other people at the challenge, most challenging time of their life, they don't need someone that's falling apart. They need someone that's <laughs> taking care of themselves um, and ask for support, ask for help, reach out um, because, you know, as babies, what's the first thing you can do? You can cry. Like that is our most visceral primal ability. Mm -hmm. And we are a social species, even though we are kind of trained to believe that we can do things on our own or oftentimes as like um, entrepreneurs, we get very hyper independent and we don't want to admit our faults or our vulnerabilities. And um, you'll often find that we are more alike than we are different. You'll open up and say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this thing. And five other people might be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that because I also struggle. So don't be afraid to reach out for help and share that you have some needs and challenges. Yes, indeed. I agree 100%. So um, are you currently working on any new projects at this time? Um, If you are, would you mind sharing with us what you're working on? Yeah. So my biggest project right now is that we're celebrating five years. So we're having a fundraiser. Uh, Yay. <laughs> uh, super excited about that. Um, if there's anyone local to Ohio, you can check that out. Um, I think you'll, uh, you can go to cyopinc.org. I think that might be in the show notes as well to learn more about that. Um, and there's also um, a bunch of really great um, downloads there for you. So on our main page, we have um, a journaling download. I love debunking and demystifying journaling because people think it has to be this like beautiful diary entry. And there's so many other ways that you can journal. So you can learn about ways to journal there and grab that download. Um, And then lastly, we are recently expanding our professional services. So our employee wellness, corporate wellness, um, staff development, those sorts of activities, we're expanding those further. So if there's anyone looking to bring that on to your team to help them better care for themselves so that your business can thrive, let me know. Awesome. Awesome. So if someone were to inquire about your services or just want to connect with you, Amanda, where can they find you? Yeah. So um, Carve Your Own Path, the acronym is CYOP. So CYOP Inc. I-N-C dot org is the website. And then on all the socials, it's also at CYOP Inc. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. uh, Where else are we? All the places you can find us at (laughs) CYOP Inc. Got you. Awesome. So um, Amanda, Thank you for coming on today's episode of the How May I Serve You podcast. And I also like to thank all of our listeners and viewers for lending us their ears and their eyeballs. And last but not least, Amanda, how may I serve you? Oh, um, that's a great, I wasn't prepared for that question. Um, <laughs> be your cheerleader, share about us, share about the work that we're doing. That's the biggest compliment that I can ask is when someone else refers or talks about the work that we're doing. So follow us on social, share our posts if they resonate with you, engage with us. Um, that's one of the biggest things that we can do. Um, if you have a heart for mental health and wellness, you know, we are a nonprofit and there are uh, opportunities to get engaged in charitable giving on our website as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Again, this is your host, Thomas Johnson. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to share it with someone else that will benefit. And make sure to tune in for next week's episode. Take care.
Be blessed. And cheers. We're out.